Right, we're talking about breasts and nipples and boobs and all the things today. So in the next few minutes, you're going to learn how to be there for your eight-year-old if she is the first one to start growing breasts in her age group. And welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in the car with you each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And my answer to this question this week, which is about um, eight-year-old, eight-year-olds and nipples. In fact, I'm going to read the whole question. Um, my eight-year-old just found a lump under her nipple. To be honest, I wasn't sure what we were dealing with until I examined it. And I had a suspicion that it could be breast buds. Okay, so far so good. I don't remember for sure if they hurt or not when they're coming in. And I wasn't able to talk to my mother about anything to do with puberty. I don't want that for my daughter. I want to be there. However, it's so hard when I myself have no advice or support passed down to me. So I feel quite lost. This is a beautiful question because it's not just about the actual breasts growing is it it's about something so much more than that and so my answer to this question this week comes from the kindness pillar inside the evolved family method and the kindness pillar focuses very much on ourselves um, how we get ourselves into an optimal sort of position or optimal situation or optimal feeling so that we can be there for our child in exactly the way we want um, and not go on the old programming from what we experienced when we were growing up. So what many parents do in this situation where their child seems to be the first one to have signs that their breasts are starting to grow, um, will say things like, you don't need to worry, it's, it's okay, or um, you don't need to be embarrassed, it happens to everyone, or they might feel a bit tongue-tied because um, they're not sure even if this is normal or if it's too early. They might be worried about how to start the sentence, so they're very focused on the right words to use, uh, the right way to start, where the conversation should happen. Should it be in the car? Should it be somewhere else? Uh, is it okay if there are other people around? So that all that approach to having a conversation about breast buds or the beginning of breasts growing is very much in line with the um, courageous but tongue-tied approach to these sort of conversations. We want the absolute best. We want to do the best for our child, but we don't exactly know what to say. And we're focused very much on the small things, the minutiae of these conversations. And our main focus, I suppose, is to make sure we can fix this situation for our child so that they're not having to go through the difficulty and the awkwardness of this part of growing up. You know what? I'm just thinking before we go on, it is absolutely reasonable that that would be our response. Everything I described there about what we try and do when we're in a situation like this where our child is the first one to have signs that they're growing breasts because like the person who wrote this beautiful question said, we have, most of us have not had really strong role models for this part of parenting. Um, we may have been given a book in puberty and said that if we had any questions, we could come back and ask our parent. Maybe nothing was said. Maybe it was one sit down awkward conversation. Um, and so those memories do not set us up to do something differently 
for our child. So of course we're going to struggle and it's very reasonable and there's no guilt, no shame about that. It just is what it is, but there is a better way, isn't there? Uh, so let's find out the three ideas for um, helping your eight-year-old when they are the first person, perhaps in their year or in their friendship group, to show signs of growing boobs. Here's the first focus. It's on ourselves. Because if you're like a lot of parents, you could be feeling quite lost around this very clear marker in your child's life. And maybe they're your first child, maybe they're your only child, this first marker that things are really changing and they are entering into adolescence and puberty and childhood is being left behind and they're growing into an adult actively before your eyes. And they're doing that maybe before all the other kids in their class are doing it. So it's reasonable to feel lost and unsure of what to do. I'm reminded about something I learned in Cambodia um, when we went there as a family, my mum had her 70th birthday and she asked us all to be there for her. And um, the history in Cambodia, I don't know if you know it, but they had a mass genocide of their population. And most of the people that were killed were the older elders of their culture. So anyone who was unwell or unable to work was, um, was killed. And so what that has meant for the Cambodian country and their culture is that there was a huge loss of practical wisdom about their culture and how to raise children and family history and how to do particular traditional jobs. And it's had a massive impact on um, that country now because a lot of their population is young. And so they're having to find other ways to learn how to do things that the older people would have been able to teach the younger people as they were growing up through adulthood. Do you see the comparison, right? That because we haven't had that experience for us in our parenting to do with being raised by uh, people, <clears throat> very loving, caring, obviously people, because almost everyone I speak to has gorgeous memories of their growing up as a general rule. Um, but there's this one section to do with having conversations about bodies and sex and puberty which were sort of um, shrouded in shame and um, there was a lot of silence around it so we have to find different ways to do that and one of the first steps is to be super kind to ourselves about this situation we find ourselves in now right that this is hard we are changing with our generation of parents to do something different to give our kids something that we didn't have and so I teach a strategy inside the Evolve School called Self-Compassion First Aid. And the idea is that we use self-compassion to turn towards the complexity of this parenting situation we are dealing with and um, give ourselves grace and kindness of, wow, yeah, this is really hard to learn this for the sake of our child. And um, most people would find this hard. We're not on our own with it. And um, how can we care for ourselves and as I say that, I'm sort of giving myself a little squeeze here. That's sort of an, one of my natural gestures that I use to help myself feel cared for. Um, so how can we care for ourselves as we learn to do this new part of our parenting? Point number two, do not be afraid 
of leaning into and really talking about hard emotions like embarrassment and um, feeling alone and um, feeling embarrassed and all these emotions I'm thinking about our child experiencing because their body is changing. So really leaning into them. The research that is coming out of um, Harvard around emotional intelligence is absolutely that when we can name emotions, um, if they are negative emotions, then their intensity decreases. If we are naming emotions that are positive and joyful, then their intensity increases. So we can't lose, we can't fail when we are naming emotions. Some parents might say to me though, you know, like, yeah, but what about if I name an emotion like shame or fear or embarrassment and my child isn't feeling that, surely by suggesting it, then I make it worse. And the good news is that that's not what the research shows. The research shows that if we don't name an emotion quite right, then um, the person that we are communicating with, in this case, it's our eight-year-old to do with the fact that they're growing breasts, um, will say, no, that, I don't feel that, I feel this. And they might offer another word instead. So we get more insight, more accurate insight into how they're feeling. So leaning into hard emotions rather than um, wanting to protect our child from them is the way to go when we're dealing with body changes and the emotional reactions our child will have with them if they are the first one in their class to um, start this part of growing up. Point number three. This is actually three, not that, isn't it? Point number three. Let's get super practical around this topic. Growing boobs, growing breasts, lumps under the nipples, whichever way you want to talk about it. Um, it can sometimes feel sore. Absolutely, it can. Sometimes if we're used to sleeping on our chest and our stomach and our nipples are starting to change, that is going to be uncomfortable. So that's okay. The fact that oftentimes one side starts before the other side, that's part of this thing. Oftentimes a lot of people have an experience like that. So it's okay. You're not, your body's not broken. Like I personally do remember very clearly and you can use this story with your eight-year-old if you like, um, thinking that I was only going to grow one breast and I was absolutely horrified at the idea of that. Now, I didn't have an adult who I felt I could talk to. My adults would have absolutely talked to me about that, but I was too embarrassed to talk about it, right? So I had to struggle along on my own. But if you offer that story to your child, they might go, yeah, actually, I feel a bit scared about that too. And so you're creating a conversation where you have given them permission to talk to you about that very fear. When we're talking about practical stuff, we can also mention that when we share experiences with people we trust, oftentimes we don't feel so alone. And parents aren't the only people that we can talk to about things. Sometimes our friends can really help us out too, even if they're not going through the same thing. Um, when I do the circle time, when I'm in doing relationship and sexuality education in schools, one of the most magical things I notice is if we're sitting in a circle and um, all the people in that circle are either have already started their period or are in a body that might start their period at some point, as soon as one person talks or tells a story about their specific um, experience of getting their period the first time, there is this ripple effect where 
other people in the circle are willing to start speaking up about their first time too. And someone else is more able to ask a question because people are starting to talk about it. So sometimes it takes one courageous act from one person to speak up about something that is really hard for them, which helps actually all the people around them start speaking up too. So how could we practically remind our kid that um, just because their friends aren't going through this particular body change doesn't mean that they won't have um, experiences that support them. You know, maybe some of their friends have already been given a puberty book by their parent or caring adult and they are desperate to start growing breasts, right? And they're like, when is this going to happen? And perhaps they're feeling super anxious about the fact that it hasn't. So there's a shared experience of anxiety about what is happening in their body, whether it's something that's happening or something that isn't happening. And the final point for this third stage where we're talking about getting really practical is, could it be possible to organize one or two adults who your kid really likes and finds interesting, who happen to also have breasts on their body, to come over and have a bit of a chat about boobs in general? It could be something that you organize beforehand where you specifically say to these people, will you come over and just tell stories about what it felt like growing boobs? Um, this might be an older cousin or a cool younger auntie or a trusted friend who is um, an adult, maybe a godmother, something like that. And you create this situation where everyone starts telling funny stories about boobs and how awkward it was and how painful it was. And um, there is something very empowering about a young person who is just on the beginning of their journey of discovery of their body changing, experiencing something like that. Okay, so you've just heard three practical tips of how to be there for your eight-year-old um, because they've started to grow or signs of growing breasts before anyone else in their classroom or their friendship group. But these three steps may not be enough to help you have the conversations and support your child in the way you want to do that. If that's the case, you may find that the Let's Say It workshop um, is going to be useful for you. It's an in-depth look at how to start sentences and conversations with our children about sensitive stuff. It looks at the age that we can start having these conversations how to get going in simple ways to make it feel more open and natural, and then a whole list of resources and books that I've put together for you, and I go through each one and describe why these books are so useful and why I've put them on the resource list. So if you would like to get the Let's Say It mini workshop for yourself, um, you can find the link to find more about that somewhere around this podcast, either in the show notes or in the comments or in the description. And that's sitting in a car for another week where I've answered a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. Bye for now. I forgot what I was going to say. Damn it. Oops, I got distracted. I'm focused. I'm focused again. I'm going to start that again.